Hello and welcome to Doom Ray. It's uh, Thursday, the 7th of March 2013, and I have Kyle Jobson, our regular presenter online. Hi, Kyle. Hi. Hi. How's everything going? It's all good here. Yeah, so we finished the uh, last week. We finished the film series, the uh, Doom Ray film series for Biad. Um, I guess just a little bit follow up on that. uh, We showed Garden State, and yeah, did it go down well? Yeah, went down really well. Um, Yeah, lots of uh, lots of laughs in the right places, which is a good sign. That's always good. Okay, so we're we're on to other other topics this week. We moved away from away from film. Um, Yeah. So big week. Um, yeah, well, it's, I mean, the, the, it's been kind of a weird week, really, because there's, um, I mean, I guess this normally happens in, in kind of the creative industries where you get these kind of lulls in, uh, in releases and so on. So, um, you know, there's, <laughs> there's nothing else to talk about. So we're talking comic books. Now, um, um, you know, I think quite a significant, uh, move for something that I'm very interested in, um, which is um, that, that Comixology have launched um, this online self-publishing platform for comic mm-hmm. books. Um, now, uh, for those of you who don't know me, which I assume would be everyone, um, the um, you know I'm part of a independent uh, comic book that we're developing at the minute uh, and developed as part of our MA. Um, me and uh, my good friend Luke Edwards, who's a very talented illustrator, look him up. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we we were looking at how you know how the comic book industry has changed or hasn't changed, as the case may be. Um, and you know, I think this is this is quite an interesting move, um, you know, by by Comicsology, um, who who seem to be the guys who are trying to kind of push this idea of of um comics on tablets the most they seem to be the guys who are kind of really behind it um and it's interesting because obviously pretty much every single major um comic book publishing house has its own app dc does Mm. uh marvel does dark horse but it's funny because i was reading an article the other day that was saying that the majority of people seem to get their content through Comixology um, because comic book readers read comic books from, you know, so many different publishing yeah. houses that yeah. this is this is the place where people go for for a multitude of different publishers, you know, um, and you're not kind of restricted, I guess. So it's quite nice to see them supporting kind of indie comics in that sense because it's where people already go. Mm. Um, Do we have any figures on the, on their on the kind of usage of these things? Because I, I, I when I first um, when I first saw the iPad re- release when it was kind of promoted, I, I thought this is going to be great for comics. This actually yeah. could, this could get me back into comics. Mm. Um, you know, having having it's, read them as a young kid. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people thought the same thing because because of the the not just the kind of aspect ratio, but also the size of the screen. Yeah. Um, it's pr- the original iPad anyway is pretty much, you know, identical to that traditional comic book format. Um, it's not far off, so, is it? No, no. Um, so I think, well, it's funny actually, cause I remember I had a copy of, um, Arkham Asylum 
lying on top of my iPad at one point. <laughs> and uh, it's exactly the same size, which is really nice. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, a lot of people's eyes kind of widened when, you know, comic book fans, when they, when they saw it. Because desktop comic books is another thing that hasn't really taken off. Um, and it's it's funny because the the kind of uptake of of uh of comic fans reading on tablets and you know I don't have precise figures but just from the people that I know there there still isn't the uptake that maybe people predicted um or anticipated you know mm. and I think um there there are many reasons for that I think um some of which are pure you know pure conjecture on my part and some of which are probably quite well established things um I mean, you know, in the in the early days of it, I think the biggest issue was pricing, um, which seems to be the biggest issue whenever anything goes digital. Is yeah. people say, "Oh, okay, well, it's ten ninety nine in the shop, so we'll charge nine ninety nine, and everybody yeah. else thinks they're getting a great deal." And, um, and also, the other side of that is is that we we expect as consumers, we've we've somehow we've managed to to be trained or train ourselves to expect that now it's digital that the value was attached to the kind of physical side of it and therefore yeah, the, di and the digital to, ties costs yeah. you nothing. You should just be able yeah. to give it away. So the whole music thing, you know, that's kind of... Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, But it's it's the content that you're paying for, yeah. not, the, not the vehicle that it comes in. And, you know, I think, interestingly, um, you know, obviously we attended the uh, the publishing um, expo down in London last week. Hmm. Um, and... You know that that's the thing that's, that fascinates me is that not just in comic book publishing, but in publishing in, in general, um, people seem to be more far more worried about um, maintaining a format than than the packaging of content. Hmm. You know, so as, as opposed to you know what is the best possible way that we can take this content and distribute it on an iPad, say, it's how do we maintain the exact look, the exact, you know, layout on yeah. an iPad screen, which is, an, which is an odd way of thinking. And I think, you know... Well, with, it's, na it's natural, I think. It's natural, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's but it's natural, not the right way. It's not, yeah. it's not necessarily effective. And, you know, I, I remember saying to you that argument of um, when television first came out, they, they just filmed um, plays and, you know, stage shows and people, or two people at a microphone, mm. you know, giving the radio, you know, the radio style broadcast, and people didn't really take to it. Then, when they started making content specifically for television, and you know, in a way that, that it used the best qualities of television, and began to light things differently, cut things differently, then people responded to it. And I think, you know, with with comic books especially. It's just that idea of, I mean, in the early days of the iPad, um, which I guess it's, it's been long enough that we can talk of the early days of the iPad. Yeah, I think um, we can. And, um, you know, the these comic books were released, but they were all um, previous editions. They were old comic books, um, probably two or three years behind the current, um, you know, storylines. Mm -hmm. And they were priced at, at one ninety nine, whereas the you know the physical comic book probably three you know three pounds. Mm -hmm. um, I know they vary slightly, but 
and I think you know people objected to the fact it's like well I'm paying for something that I already have yeah um, <laughs> you know and so then you know now now we get um, through Comixology and DC and Marvel we get same day as print releases um, but then again not on the entire you know range of comic books um, and I think you know people people have tried to be a bit different you know I think um, I was I was really intrigued when I saw Made Fire, um, and you know I know well I know that was something you sent me over when I was doing my MA, mm. um, but I still think you know with that like I've signed up for the for the for the beta of that or the better of that depending on which way you say, <laughs> um, you know Be- um, beta yeah beta. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, you know, I signed up for that and haven't heard anything back yet. And I must have signed up for it 15, 16 times. And, yeah. you know, you you go on and there's not a massive array. But, you know, they are a, a, a small team trying their best to, to you know, reinvent Madefire. Well, the, the comic book through Madefire. And I think possibly the biggest thing they suffered from was when Apple used them in their keynote everybody downloaded the app and looked at it and it was still very much in development mm. um and i don't know I, I think it's the idea of um well <laughs> I, I did i did a you know entire what four month project on this so i can talk about this for forever <laughs> um, <laughs> um long show yeah. then today yeah, it was, a, it was a good job there was a hand-in date, otherwise me and Luke would still be sat in my bedroom somewhere, yeah. um, you know, trying to work this out. Because I, I, this is the thing as well, there is no definitive answer to to why why necessarily it doesn't work. And I know when, um, you know, when you saw what we produced, and if anybody wants to see a, a demo of what we produced, you can go on YouTube, uh, search for the Dr. Doomray channel, there's a video of an interactivity test, which was the kind of things that we were trying to do. Um, maybe we'll drop a link in the description. Yeah, that'd be but, good. Yeah. Um, you know, with that, I know that you took issue with it slightly because it was it was almost it had gone too far then, and it it wasn't a it was almost a game. It was almost a computer. Yeah, I think that, and I think there is that tendency. I think when, mm. when you know you you're absolutely right. What ha- tends to happen in the early days of of any technology is that the incumbents look for ways of once it, once they set up and take notice of a new technology or a new platform, they sit up and say, "Well, okay, we can. How can we change as little as possible about everything we do and yeah. still adapt to this this new platform? What, what, what's the minimum we can do?" Which, fair enough, is a way of, way of running a business, but it's. You know, it means that we we can carry on being the dominant player or work whatever position we've got, charging the same kind of prices. Um, we don't have to. We haven't got time to think about it in in any great depth. So let's let's take that route. The at the other extreme, you you've got you know what what you Luke were doing, what a number of a number of players in the market are, are doing, which is attempting to say, well, okay, it it's now something else. And what typically mm. seems to happen with multimedia platforms is that is that we start adding in all of these other interaction modes to it, um, and it very quickly starts to look like other things. So, mm. and, and, I, and I guess it's fair enough to say that dig- video gaming has been the most successful multi-mode um, kind of 
kind of form that we've got at the moment, I'd say, uh, on, in terms of digital platforms yeah. that but, uses but, uh, interactivity, and, and therefore it well. starts to look like that. Yeah. With computer games, you know, one, one of the big things that um, that maybe kind of progressed that was that it was it was it had a, it had time to evolve, um, but it it also it um, it had it had kind of a, a an evolution that you can track. So you know you can you can look at games, and normally um, because of the kind of generation cycle of consoles, by the time a new console comes in, they've mastered the technologies of that previous generation, which mm. then allows them to 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 take what they've they've got and kind of enhance it so you know like the 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 kind of you know the original kind of arcade games were 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 very were based very much in kind of the fundamentals of game making mm. and you know what makes a good game um and game theory not chatting up women game theory <laughs> um, but, um, you know and then and then um the kind of evolution of that was that in the 16-bit generation, you began to get the kind of, um, you know, the idea of introducing story because you had these kind of larger, um, you know, larger file sizes where you could introduce kind of dialogue and character. And because of sprites, you could get a little bit more detail in. And mm -hmm. so you could make kind of decipherable characters. So you could say, okay, that's Zelda, that's Link. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, and then, so once they kind of mastered narrative in gaming then they went into the graphics and you know there's there's kind of a a, a a progression that can be mapped and i think the problem that comics that comic books face are one of uh, are, there well, there's a couple of problems and the games industry faces it in some ways as well but comic book fans are probably the most staunch kind of traditionalists out there at the minute and i, I think you know you that a lot of a lot of comic book um, fans tend to be very um, kind of tech savvy, computer savvy, or you know whatever. But with comic books, you know, with me, I still love this idea of kind of you know bagging and boarding it after it's read, tucking it away. I don't know why I do that, <laughs> but, but you know. And I think um, to me, I'm you know I'm yet to and. I, it is that thing, I guess. You know, we were talking about um, Edge magazine and how how beautiful it looks. Mm. Um, you know, this is Edge Computer Game magazine, and the 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 kind of different textures and different papers that they use on the covers and so on. Mm. And I think with graphic novels, there's an element of that in that there's you know for for people who kind of like design, they're very heavily designed and they they they're very nice to hold. They're kind of textured. And I think with comic books on on an iPad, I mean, I I do read comic books on my iPad probably more than most people I know, mm. but I still there's there's something missing. Mm. And like I say, you know, I spent months trying to work out what that something missing was, and putting in filmic techniques and trying transitions and all those kind of things. And you know, I guess it struggles with with the same problems that kind of all aspects of publishing struggle with at the minute and that it's taking something that is very much ingrained and instilled in, in an audience and trying to, and it's not just about repackaging it, 
because I think people are too savvy to that. Mm. It's about how do you how do you best augment, you know, that that content for for what for for what people are using it for. Um, and I think, you know, like the best example I've seen is um, Project I Operation Ajax, um, mm. which is still a comic book, um, but it has audio. It has, um, but. It, you know, it's not the dialogue's not spoken. It, it just has a, a soundtrack. It has, you know, an energy to it. Where, you know, often when I'm on my iPad, I have my earphones in, and it's it's a far more immersive um, experience. And I wish more people would do that. But then the problem is, is that, you know, like we were saying before, there's existing workflows. You know, to get Marvel to do that. It yeah. becomes it becomes an entirely different thing because they've got forty million releases a year. Yeah, um, and it is something different, isn't it? I mean, think that you could you can say, well, how can we how can we tell this story and use these characters in a different medium? Yeah, which might be iPad, and it might be the an app medium, it might be a games medium, it might be music, mm. um, or it might be film. Yeah, yeah. Marvel has made that transition well, really successful. But, but it's something different to say, how do we preserve the integrity of what we've got here and continue to well, hopefully expand this market for people who are going to read the comics? But I think, you know, that, that to me is the key behind it is instead of, you know, like, <clears throat> like um, you know, we were talking about Jonathan Ives and him saying that they're very careful about what they name things mm. because it instantly dictates a design process. And I think, you know, that's the same with comic books, is they say, how do we adapt these comic books? Yeah. As yeah. opposed to saying, these are characters and storylines that people are very familiar with and love. And, I, you know, I do mean love. You know, yes, there are, it's, it's um, you know, people have read these for years and years and years and there are things that people respond to oh, and they get very attached don't they very very yeah. a, very um animated about yeah. and, uh, about and, changes to characters they don't like yeah and and that's the thing is and, and i think it's i think if the industry if the comic book industry starts realizing that that's why people read comic books and i think maybe they are because you know like the the marvel films I mean, they've been so successful. Mm. But it, it's funny because you see all these kids with Iron Man helmets and Thor's hammer or Morinir <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> whatever, or the, um, you know, the Hulk fists. Mm. None of them or very few of them will have read the comics. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're film fans. And I guess it's in the same way as I came to Batman through the Batman films. And it's funny because you come you know you i guess a lot a lot of people of my generation came to comic books through comic book movies and and that's the same with with kind of this next generation of of kind of comic book movie goers um i mean you know the the success of the dark knight trilogy um the you know the avengers being the third highest grossing film of all time you know i don't think comic comic book films are a gimmick i think they're they're um they're something that's very much here to stay and i think the reason why they're so successful is through the characters and through you know like the dark knight series of films is 
we've discussed in previous podcasts, I believe probably the truest representation of the story of Bruce Wayne and, and the kind of most natural um, and definitely the most emotive, you know, that I, I watched that. I mean, by the end of that, the Dark Knight Rises, I was in bits. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they function properly as film. Yeah, and they, yeah. And they, but, but, but it was something that was taken. They, well, the Nolans, uh, not those Nolans, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Took the, took the story and broke it down and went, okay, so we've got a setting, we've got characters, but they they weren't worried about the comic book shots, you know, the, and I think, you know, like the Avengers is, is a comic book lover's comic book film because there are so many shots in it that are just impossible, ridiculous, you know, these crazy wide-angle shots that look... You know, if you pause your television, that's that's a spread. That's the mm. double-page spread from the middle of my comic book. Yeah. Um, whereas what the Nolans did so well... <laughs> I've got to stop saying the Nolans. Um, <laughs> what, what they all do particularly well is is stay out of my way. Now, um, Loose Women just isn't the same without, without Chris Nolan. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the, um, you know what, what the Nolans did so well was realise that that's what people... You know, were attached to is the characters and the settings, and and but also designed it for people who were coming in from from no background. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It doesn't take a take a comic book knowledge or a, like a, a knowledge of the history of Batman or or any of the particular things to to enter those films and to get wrapped up in the in the mythology. In a, well, yeah. but but it's a filmic one. So the com the comicsology thing then i'm just been doing a little bit of digging digging around and trying to find kind of numbers and things it's, it's hard it is very very hard to find any yeah sales <laughs> sales numbers on on these things but um it does um it seems like you know comic comicsology has has been the uh, the as, as quoted here the 500 pound gorilla in the in the market in the comic digital comic market in terms of having a kind of a, a big share of it um but there's some questioning here as to, as to you know that role as a as a kind of middleman, um, whether that's sustainable when we're clearly moving towards uh, day and date um, releases, as you um, yes. as you intimated, which which is gonna come. That's where that's where the the publisher of the comic themselves can can win, isn't it? If you if you want Marvel on on the day of release, you you really need the Marvel app. If you want mm. DC. Similarly, you, you're going to have to um, you're going to have to go through through them. So they're in a position to cut out um, something like comic comicsology uh, there. Yeah. And and it, and this is this move into kind of indie and opening this up to lots of lots of independent um, comic book authors. It seems like it seems like something slightly new now from uh, from comicsology. I mean, is, is it a reaction? Do we think well, to think, to that? I think you know. To me, when I was reading this article, I went, that's great for story, phenomenal for story, crap for the technology. Yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, I think, you know, often, um, well, it's the same with indie games, indie film, is there tends to be more of a reliance on kind of stylistic looks, on, um, on story, on character, and, you know, not well not very often do they kind of push technology mm -hmm. um and i think my my big thing that that i kind of 
that I'm upset about. I haven't lost sleep over it or anything. But, um, you know, the big thing that I kind of think when I, when I look at Marvel and, and DC is I kind of think, especially with Marvel, you've driven the comic book films and you've, you've put a lot of time and money into that. But you, you're not trying to do anything with comics, and that seems really odd um, for, for the company that pretty much single-handedly created the comic book but maybe maybe they're in a position of thinking that you know that that form is uh, done when i'm done and when i when i say done i don't mean over i mean i mean that the development is it's, you've done it's, all you you've can. done all, you've done the development it's reached a kind of form a natural form that as you say traditional comic book fans are very happy with and and uh, and yeah they, they're they're very traditionalist in terms of the presentation perhaps but that they that they they go to the new comics for new characters, for new storylines, for new ways of seeing that. Maybe for new approaches to art and new visual kind of languages, but aren't don't have any kind of uh, reason to want to change the the form. I, I guess what we're looking at really with the iPad is is opening this up to more people. That that constant desire, I guess, from comic book fans, comic book publishers, and authors to to make comics more accessible to a newer audience, to a younger audience, to to also, I I guess, um, try to offset this kind of fear that a younger audience are bored with comics. They're they're watching Marvel movies, they're playing games, but mm. then but they're not. Use they're not buying comics, so a, a mm. kind of a desire to reach them with this thing that we love, you know, this the comic book form. Um, it's a natural desire to try and build that into digital things, and to think, well, to keep their attention, we've got to make it interactive. Uh, you know, but con contrary to that, I, I'd say interesting that the, you know the British, um, do you remember the British comic DFC that came out a couple of few years ago? Yeah, the David Fickling thing, uh, books thing, um, comics, and uh, recently, well, last year, relaunched as the Phoenix. Yeah, um, and that's only recently got a, an app uh, on the on the iPad. Um, we've been subscribing to those comics at home since the since the DFC launched, um, mm. and they come through the mail once a once a week in a nice on the mail. Uh, What's yeah. the mail? <laughs> yeah. They come through the letterbox. A little uh, man brings it to your door. It does. Yes, it's <laughs> a po little Polish man. Um, he brings it round, pops it through the letterbox, and once it, once every week, there's a beautiful colour illustrated envelope, you know, with my daughter's name on the front. Um, yeah. And um, it's, it's been it's proven very popular. You know, it's I, would, I wouldn't say it, it, that Lucy, at the age of twelve, now rushes home in the way that she did when she was maybe nine or ten to to get yeah. it. But it's still popular. It still gets opened. It still gets read. Um, there's never a sense of my of of us saying, "Oh, I wish this was digital right at this second it's nice that there is a digital version it's nice that uh, that that's available now and that there's a there's a there was a pretty good subscription deal on it um yeah. so so I added that you know that that was a that was a fairly easy purchase um but the the physical form is not something we're just we're, we're bothered by it's not a problem it's not a problem it's the content that, that she's looking at yeah and I, and I think you know in the same way as you know when you were talking about interactivity with with me and Luke 
when we when we were developing our comic, you know, what what we said was um, we wanted any interactivity to be driven by the story mm. um, and not vice versa. Um, and I think you know that 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 to me is the thing is is you know like I went to see um, pretty much every big 3D film for the last two and a half years in 2D mm. um, and it's it's a choice that that I that I consciously make in that I want to firstly leave you know the cinema without a migraine um, but. You know, the main thing, the main reason I, I make that choice is I want to judge a film based on its merits as a film, not on its merits as a piece of technology, mm. um, which I, I guess um, kind of shoots my argument about Marvel developing the technology in the foot. But, um, you know, but, but there is a way of developing technology driven by narrative. And I think, you know, that's that's kind of the key thing for me. Well, I think one thing I would say is that where it, where this stuff is on digital and where it is, um, you know, just adapted across, um, and uh, it's it's the bulk of it seems to be very, very boring. Into You know, it's it's obviously the, there's obvious things which would seem to be decided on very early on. The one, you know, that we were going to, A, have a full page view, which, yeah. depending, depending on the size of the device, works or doesn't work yeah uh, there's one thing since the mini that's kind of been nullified yeah, it's broken it's broken hasn't it um yeah. and then the other thing is we're going to have a as a kind of guided mode in which we we zoom into panels um we we get some transitions you know we get some uh moving around the page um and direct directing our attention but beyond those two modes of, of viewing there doesn't seem mm. to have been very very much done with it at all but even even with that guided mode i i always think well this is a perfect opportunity to introduce um a a, a rudimentary method of pacing mm. so in quieter moments of dialogue that guided mode moves sl more slowly and then in kind of more frenetic action sequences, it moves more quickly. It doesn't have to be jarring, but just by doing that in the same way as if you edit a film, you know, that you, you know, during conversation, you don't cut every, you know, three mm. times a second during action you do, then the, the, you know, the reader dictated pacing is still there, but it adds an element of pacing to it. Well, isn't that, yeah, this is. I guess this is where I I kind of question some of those those things that you and Luke were working on at the time a year ago. It, is that that re, the reader pacing might be so fundamental to, to to the comic book reading experience that the the guided pacing at, at all is it mm -hmm. belongs belongs to a different form and therefore starts mm -hmm. to take on the rules of that other form like of, of narrative uh, of animation of animatics of um, yeah. of, of film and becomes something else not not that doesn't make it um irrelevant and it doesn't make it redundant it could no. it could be a nice form but it's mm -hmm. um, but it it might not belong to the to the comic book form because mm. uh, it, it's interesting because you know with with um 
one of the nicest developments I've seen um, is is the kind of infinite canvas idea hmm. um, of just this kind of scrollable canvas. And, yeah. um, you know, Wormworld Saga did it really well. Um, there's quite a few comics on the internet that do it really nicely. Um, but then the funny thing is, is that I have this weird thing in my head that I go, I'd love this to be a physical thing. Mm. I'd love this kind of parchment scroll. It's a scroll that you just roll and roll. It's older than the book, after all. It's an older form, isn't it? This kind of yeah. end, endless scroll is much older than the codex kind of book mm. format. And a lot, a lot seems a lot. I guess a lot of the comic book conventions have, have grown up around the codex around the slicing of pages of a sheet of paper up into pages and binding them together so that you get spreads you get panels mm. you get you get the, the kind of page turn reveal um and i guess that stuff's important to a to an author because that's the form that they've been developing for then they're looking for those things to be preserved but yeah as i say now i think there's more more can be done with the kind of the e either a kind of um Zoom world kind of approach where you where, yeah. where you can move in and in, uh, in, in different in and out of different um, kind of scales, or yeah. or the, uh, the the infinite scroll the, inf the canvas yeah. thing, which I think is is quite nice for things. We're used to we're getting used to things like that now on web pages. We're getting used to it with yeah. things like Twitter and um, mm. Instagram and those kind and um, Vine and those kinds of things. Well, I f I find it really jarring when there's you know a uh, a little grayed out one with a with a kind of bold two next to it. Yeah. Um, I have to click to another page. This is strange. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I do think you know. Also, we have we have devices that are built around scrolling now, as opposed to you know point and click. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, essentially. Much more the conclusion we've come to is there is no conclusion to come to. <laughs> <laughs> well, the comic, the comicsology thing is interesting. I, mean, I was flicking th through the the terms and through the thing last night when you when you flagged it up with me. Mm. Um, it's a it, it's a pricey way of doing it. You're giving up fifty percent. Yeah, well, they take fifty percent, and then and I guess yeah. on, on iOS you're going to lose thirty percent um, straight away to Apple. So you're actually yeah. going to get. 35% of the of the sale mm. um it's non it's non exclusive um so you can distribute it in any other way of, but but of course i guess the the other way that you'd want you might want to distribute this i i would have get has it a guess i could be totally wrong it is to look at doing this ibooks author yeah, uh, yeah which which actually you then you can't you can, if you if you put it in there, the Apple's terms, and you're selling it through iBooks Author, I mean you can't put it on Comixology. Um, so I, w I wonder how kind of di how that's going to going to work but and it's going to play out. You're given um, a lot more kind of creative freedom in terms of how how something is presented mm. on iBooks. You know, like you, it's it's far more programmable in a sense. Um, you know, you you can kind of um, well, you can design it a lot, you know. Whereas this is aimed at the idea of kind of page by page spreads. Yeah. Uh, but what I like, so what I want to see, I want to see you and Luke take a, a comic that you're prepared to risk in this format, and and run it through the comicsology process, put it out as a, a Doomray comic. Um, yeah, I can do or that. Something, <laughs> and then and then we can we can see, you know, do, do it with something you're not 
you know you're not too worried about being being out there in that format but it's it's non-exclusive so it means you you can always pull it and move it to other things if you if it doesn't work but it it'll be good then to see how that how that works and then maybe offer it up as a as a more developed um ibook which could be free um because yeah. then, because then you're you're entitled to distribute it elsewhere um, yeah. I think that I think I'm right on that. Maybe people will tell me I'm completely wrong. I think that if you <laughs> distributed it free on iBooks author format, you could sell it somewhere else. Yeah. Is that your understanding? Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. But not the other way around. You couldn't. You can't. Uh, you yeah. can't sell it on iBooks author and then give it away elsewhere or sell yeah. it elsewhere. Okay. Mm. But it'd be good to try this out and to see see how the the, the process works. I got a little way with the sign up process and it seemed like well I was I got to the stage very quickly that I could set a publishing uh, site up and um, put it but you know I had to have all the stuff there you couldn't what you couldn't do is start the process and then stop it and then come back yeah. in at a later stage you had to kind of have all all of your material there ready mm. um, but it'll be interesting interesting to see and I, I, I tend to think I'm tending towards the, the view that this is a a kind of um, move with comicsology to to say, well, okay, if the big publishers do end up trying to screw us with day and date releases through their own apps, yeah. um, and if we, we can we can go and Apple haven't gotten anything together yet with in terms of like a, a format on iBooks store for for comic books, yeah, um, but clearly could. Um, mm. Well, we, I, we can I take was, this market. In the yeah, meantime. well, I, I was wondering when they when they kind of used uh made fire in their keynote whether we'd hear about them buying yeah, made yeah. Fire. or a partnership uh, i mean I think yeah it's much more apple's intention i think to to get some partnerships going with these things and uh, yeah but i don't but i don't think apple will move into it until they see you know, significant opportunity there which which will either be for them to you know to well i guess the primary one to sell sell more ipads to to more to more people, yeah. um, or or to head off a potential competitor who could eat some of the uh, some of their business other otherwise like maybe like a kint like to uh, head off a, a, a Amazon or something yeah in it um, but at the moment there's probably not a great necessity or no no urgency for Apple to to do anything in it they can they can yeah, just yeah. wait and see mm, exactly. Um, well, whilst we're on the subject of Apple and iTunes, yeah, um, to see what I did there, did I you did. See it was fantastic. Link? That it's was incredible. almost that was almost um, like a professional. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm a waste. Um, um, wasted, do you mean? <laughs> a waster. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, the other thing we wanted to talk about was. Um, the greatest gift a man can receive, which is a David Bowie album, um, <laughs> you know, being streamed uh, over iTunes, um, and you know this was uh, made available. When was it last week? It was last week. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of when it was last week. Um, but anyway, they they made the album available to stream, um, which was then. Um, stolen by lots of people and put onto torrent websites. Yeah, first, first of March, I think this came out. First yeah. of March. Um, but you know, I, and, and you know what, what, what we wanted to talk about was essentially, you know, Bowie embracing the new technology and a new 
a new business model for music again because um, you know he, he did it with the Bowie Bonds um, in the late 80s early 90s I don't know I was four at the time um, <laughs> but um, you know, and and you know about well, he started. Him, I mean, you said that you said that in the note to me about him <clears throat> embracing another new technology and I, or a new business model, mm. and I think that that's actually what he's done for pretty much his whole career. Is yeah, is <clears throat> anticipate and adapt to new business models, and and the whole when I, when I first got into into Bowie, it was um, it would have been the very late late seventies. Um, yeah. Um, and then started when I started buying records of my own volition. It was um, about 1980, and so the first album I bought, fresh to release, was uh, was Scary Monsters, and nice. the re the rest of it I bought very quickly on back catalogue. Mm. Um, and so the first opportunity I got to see to see Bowie was in '83, uh, the Serious mm. Moonlight tour. Um, and uh, sent you off mean the, the serious uh, moonlight? That's what. It's not, it's not serious um, moonlight. You can't say uh, it like that. And uh, <laughs> sent off for my tickets to the NEC and um, and got got tickets um, to go and see it with a friend. Um, right. And and actually at the, at the time I didn't know because because I, I was you know new to the whole gig uh, attending game anyway and new to seeing Bowie. Um, but it was it was a big business move uh, for Bowie. It was a it was a very um, conscious, uh, logical move for him at the late end of the late seventies to say, well, how am I going to? What's my pension going to be? You know, how am I going to uh, move from being this um, uh, reproductive kind of kind of artist has to keep touring each album and so on and and actually have some money, some real serious money? And he spotted that the move was really to live um, uh, live concerts as a as a massive money-making exercise the big stadium gigs um and let's dance was although it's still it's still a great album it stands up very mm. well um it was it was a very very conscious um move to make a commercial album that had definite hits that could be toured um and could be toured in this in this kind of massive format uh massive arena format and it and it worked fantastically well lots of merchandise around around it um but uh, you know very it worked very well for videos live videos and all of that kind of stuff and, and so I, you know i, I just think i think he's just a, able to do this he's he's done it he's done it a number of times now the thing that i always loved though is you know bowie is considered a very kind of bohemian avant-garde chap <laughs> and um his business sense is incredible <laughs> yeah he's, he's been a businessman um, since the you know if not if not before but since the moment in I don't know, 1971 or something when he in an interview he said yes i'm gay you know yeah. and, and and that was you know a business move Mm. Um, and just recognise that, that that even though that seemed very very risky to most people at the time, it, yeah. it was exactly what his career needed. The power um, of the pink pound. Uh, well, <laughs> ab absolutely, and that that would yeah. that, that would create a kind of media buzz around him at that time, and uh, mm. and, and that's that stayed with him till certainly into the eighties. I, I remember being well, being castigated for liking Bowie because because surely he's he's gay. You can't like well, you can't like. Well, like I said, you know, I was I was in started secondary school in nineteen ninety eight, and I. I remember people going, "You gay for like in David yes, Bowie." Yes, absolutely. Um, so, um, whilst, but, um, whilst, whilst all of them listened to Steps, which seemed yeah. weird, um, and yeah. Aqua. 
<laughs> it is very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so this, this uh, we have to kind of um, wrap up, I guess. But this um, free download, uh, free streaming thing is still is mm. still out now, and the and the album doesn't. Um, it doesn't physically ship for a couple of weeks and doesn't digi digitally starts to ship on on Monday. Is that right? 11, yeah, yeah. 11th of March, and mm. um, and that's when the the stream stops. Uh, mm. This this kind of streaming thing is is kind of nice anyway. It it makes it slightly uh, difficult to to listen to it on the on the go, but it's very quick. Obviously, yeah. of course yeah. I didn't record it. Of course I didn't. No, <laughs> of course, criminal, of course, criminal of course I didn't. I didn't record it and carry it around on my on my iPhone every day. But I'd already pre-ordered the album. But the, but the one thing that I love about this idea of streaming is that because you can't kind of scrub through it or anything, it it allows you. Well, to, you could well, scrub through it. You can. You could. You, could, yeah, you but, can't but, skip but, tracks. Yeah, but, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. Is it? It makes it makes people. Um, yeah, makes people, that's the right term, um, mm. listen to the album in the way it should be listened to. Because yeah. I, I quite like the idea of albums, you know, I'm thinking of like, I'm I'm a big fan of kind of late 90s hip-hop or, um, you know, anything, or, you know, there's quite a few kind of Modest Mouse albums where there, there's there's a there's a narrow well, a lot of albums that there's a narrative to them yeah. and they're supposed to be listened to in an order. Yeah, um, and um, you know whether it's a story or or just in terms of it's designed so that a mood carries from one song to yeah, another. Yeah, it, it has a dynamic kind of dynamic to it and a shape to yeah. it. Yeah, and it? and that it's funny because so because now the shuffle button is forever on on mm. my iPad iPad or iPhone. Um, other other devices are available. You know the um, you know the I, I think it's. It's quite nice to hear something in the way it was intended to be heard, um, instead of, you know, this kind of random order that that I'm used to now. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, well, I'm, you see, I'm, I guess I grew, I grew up with the album, and so I, I listen. I tend to listen to even MP3 um, AAC download albums in that way, um, mm. and don't don't listen to them much. Although I did go through a phase of having my art having a bunch of random tracks on a shuffle and just listening to them that way to kind of rediscover stuff in my library, which is quite yeah. nice. Um, but yeah, so the, um, the, the Bowie album, uh, streaming is quite, is quite, I guess quite big news. It's getting, well, everything that Bowie does now is big news because he, he yeah. was away for so long. Um, you know, I, th I think even down to though, like after September the 11th, where he, he did mm. that gig and, you know, knelt on stage very, there, you know that that was a business move. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't like to admit to that, but um, it was. Yeah, um. I think I think he just finds, uh, you know, it just well, try try not to say sound make it sound cynical, but um, but I think I think he finds that that he very easily taps into moods at, at times yeah. and can anticipate things, and uh, it might not even be, it might not even yeah it might not even be a cynical move. It might just be a case of of just being in tune with them. Um, no, with, I, with I, I don't necessarily think it was cynical. Like I just, I just think you know he was like you say he tapped into the mood of a nation and thought, well, I can't stand on stage, um, you know. <laughs> It's a strange sound. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, isn't it? Um, oh. You know, saying I can't stand on stage, you know, being uh, being Ziggy Stardust. It doesn't. It, it's not right. Um, and you know, just because it's good business sense doesn't necessarily mean it's immoral. Mm. 
Um, most of the time it does. <laughs> but not all the time. Okay. So, on so that... <laughs> we'll, we, we better wrap up. And so this time next week we'll have the Bowie album and stuff. And maybe we'll know a bit more about the comicsology process and, and uh, yeah. how, how that works. And we can, yeah. uh, we can get no, some we'll kind of follow-up on that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So, well, there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of topics we didn't get around to, but um, we, that yes. gives us plenty of stuff to, to deal with. Thank you, Kyle. All right, thanks very and, much, Rob. Uh, and thanks uh, once again to Agents of Evolution for uh, post-production and uh, title theme music. Thanks to uh, photographer Quan Chen Yin for some of our artwork on the channel. And uh, we'll be back recording the next um, next show next Thursday, all being well. Okay. Yep. All okay, right, then. see you. See you, bye. bye.